Welcome to Trek and Observe. Today I have with me my wife, my better half, and Casey Michelle. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And I have my co-host with me, Bricks. How's everything going, Bricks? Going good, you know, taking it day by day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as we all know, it's a really dark time right now in this country with the death of uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, you know, and countless others. Uh, to start the podcast today, I wanted to pay my respect. And what I wanted to do is do a moment of silence for George Floyd and all the other people that we've lost to police brutality and uh, countless other injustices in, in this country. All right. Uh, so, Nkeshi, can you tell people a little bit about you, about your background, and what your point of view is on everything that's going on right now? And also, we wanted to ask you what was one thing that you saw this week that inspired you. We know there's there's a lot of things going on that 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 could be negative, and and this time, what was one thing you saw that you came across uh, that that inspired you? Yeah, so first you asked uh, to tell a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. So um don't know how far back to go or what you want in detail, but I was born and raised in San Diego, California, Southern California. Um, I work in public health right now. I'm a health educator in the obesity prevention program serving low-income um, SNAP-eligible populations, so essentially a essentially populations that are eligible for food stamps. Um, it's also known as, so I love what I do. I love educating people. I love teaching people about health, helping people understand how to become healthier and eating better, living right. So that's kind of one of my biggest passions. But my other passion is social justice, really. I uh, learned that from my mom, who was born in Mississippi the same year that um the Brown versus Board of Education decision occurred. So she's seen a lot. She taught me a lot. I have it running through my blood just like she does. She's an activist, um, an amazing Black woman, and I take after her. So it's been interesting seeing everything happening right now in this country, which is not new, but uh, it's uh, being filmed. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Police brutality is being filmed now more than ever. So what's been inspiring is actually seeing people come together during times like this, during this time. So seeing all nationalities, backgrounds come together and saying, you know what? We're tired with you. We're fighting for you. We're fighting with yeah. you, We're marching with you. And so it's been um, pretty awesome to see that. And it's been also interesting to see companies coming out and, and uh, taking a stance as well, mm -hmm. just in support of Black Lives Matter, in support of Black people, the movement, et cetera. So it's been interesting to see. Yeah, uh, definitely. Thank you. Bricks, uh, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that or share how you processing everything right now. And thank you to and Casey for, you know, taking care of our community. Thank you to your mom, too, you know, for, for raising you 
with the right qualities. So you you see so you you know what's going on. You know, it's not like you're right. not aware of your blackness. Right. And no need to thank me or anything, but I appreciate that. She did teach me at a young age to love who I am, love the skin I'm in. She always was encouraging of um, learning about prominent Black figures. And it went beyond just learning about Rosa Parks and Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King. She had me learn about Mae Jemison, who Mm -hmm. is still like an icon to me to this day. First Black woman in space. So... So yeah, she's um she's great. She made me who I am today and I'm still learning and and growing. So That's beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, as far as how I feel, I honestly, you know, it's not good to say, but I'm kind of numb to this at this point. I didn't watch the George Floyd video. I, d- I decided a few years back when all these videos started coming out that I, I just wasn't going to watch them anymore just for my mental health. Yeah. But just like in case you said, this is nothing new to us, you know. This is something that I remember one of my first memories was this issue right here. It's not, uh, it's not, mm-hmm. I don't remember a time without this being an issue. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Pierre, I know you, you know, me and in Casey, we, we were born here, grew up here. I don't know how, how black your neighborhood was in Casey. I grew up in a pretty black neighborhood, but Pierre, you grew mm-hmm. up in a, a, you know, not that you grew up, but you, you spent the first few years of your life in a black country. So it's like, it, yeah. it's totally different. You saw, you saw black people all over. You know, you had a black president. You know what I'm saying? How did, yeah. how did, how did you feel when you came over here and kind of had to assimilate to, to, you know, mostly white people around? Uh, yeah, it, it was a culture shock because, like you said, we've had black presidents, you know, since I, I can remember. We had uh, women and we had a woman president. <laughs> Uh, we, we had women in all levels of society and government and businesses. Uh, actually, they kept the men, you know, in these spaces straight. They kept them on task, you know. So it was strange to me when I first came to the state. I, and I noticed that my black skin <laughs> uh, meant something different here. Right. Like, I felt for the first time in my life, I came from a third world country, Haiti. But for the first time in my life, I felt like a true like second-class citizen, you know, and it was something that was in my face all the time, you know, and trying to learn a new language, trying to learn a new culture, trying to fit in, you know, people looking at me different because they know where I'm from. So it's something I've never faced before. But uh, when I was with family and friends, you know, I I, had comfort. But as soon as I went to school, like I was... uh, always uh sad and devastated and and always waiting for the next corner where i'm going to be disrespected you know so it it was really tough and when i see what's going on now police brutality and the way that black and brown people are being treated in this country coming from a black country a black nation i felt like i had to say something i had to do something i was really angry you know i was really frustrated I contacted my friends to see how they were doing, you know, and contacted my non-black friends to see where they were at. Uh, it, it's, it's tough, you know, and I'm doing everything that I can to educate myself more and then educate my circle and then come up with actual solution. And I try to do something to, to move the needle, you know, to, to, to join forces. I definitely feel that. No, I, I think we should start um, maybe at like the beginning of... When was the first time that you, in case you were aware of, of, I know you say, you know, your mom, you know, she taught you a lot of things, but when was the first time that you remember being aware of, like, police brutality 
or you saw, you know, something in your city or your town or maybe in the country that, you know, kind of brought it home to you? Um, I would say, well, growing up in San Diego, first of all, um, I was always one of very few Black people in all my classes since um, from elementary up into high school. So San Diego is unfortunately not that diverse. It's mostly white and Hispanic. Um, I believe uh, the Black population was always around 7 or 8% in the city. Oh, wow. And where I grew up specifically in San Diego is an area called Chula Vista. So it's a southern, um, I don't know if I say it, southern city, but a city in kind of southern San Diego, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's a um, huge Hispanic population. But so I was always made aware of my Blackness in that sense because I was always othered mm-hmm. um, by it. But uh, you asked about police brutality. I think the first um, the first memory I would say that I have is the Rodney King riots. Although I was really young, I remember my mom explaining it to me, kind of just telling me what it meant for this to be going on in the country. And um, I can't say that I fully understood it at that time because, of course, I was little. But that is the first memory that I have of learning about that concept or that um, behavior, if you will. Wow. Um, I wanted to know all the stuff that you experienced in your life, you know, your mom teaching you about black pride and loving who you are, and especially being a black woman in this country. Is it why you actually chose to be in the field that you are today? Yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, I originally was kind of like a nursing major. I took all the classes. I knew for sure I wanted to be a nurse, but then I took a public health class. And what stood out the most was a few things. One, that it was based in prevention. So it was based in the fact that, hey, I can educate communities and individuals about diseases that they can prevent or ways that they can become healthier um, by changing health behaviors and things like that. Um, But what also stood out to me in public health was the fact that Black people were always the most negatively impacted by health issues when you look at things like heart disease, diabetes, um, birth rates in this country, Black people are always um, experiencing the most negative impacts. And so that always stood out to me in my public health courses. And so I found myself just writing papers on it and really focusing in on my people and, and learning, like, I was asking the question, why? Why is it that Black people suffer the most when it comes to health disparities? why and of course it's it's multi-layered and complex but that is that is actually what led me to to go into public health for sure i'm really proud of you for for what you do thank you hey hey thank you thank you my food stamps (laughs) always hitting so thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i wanted to say though uh the first time i really you know remember police brutality when my mother first told me you know if a cop run up on you, you know, don't move, put your hands up, because they're going to shoot your ass, was in New mm-hmm. York City when uh, they killed a man named Amadou Diallo. Um, the oh, cops, yeah. they shot him. I think he had like 19 or 20 bullets in him. They shot like 40, 50 rounds at him. And it was mm-hmm. like four cops. And, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't end up going to jail or anything. He was reaching for his wallet, you know, to show his ID. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they killed him. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I remember that being so big in New York. But just like in case you said, you know, Rodney King, and just like we're seeing now, 
Rodney King just happened, you know, somebody just happened to catch that on film, right? It was like, man, think about all the countless other times this has happened. And it was like, damn, mm -hmm. this, it, just because it got caught on film, that's why, you know, people were, were angry about it. But now mm -hmm. we see it pretty much, everybody has a camera phone. So it's like, we see it every day or all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. The George Floyd murder was a tipping point, right? It was the last thing. And, you know, and from my perspective, you know, it was the last thing that happened where not just the black community, like I said, we are used to this. We are used to seeing this. You know, we have friends and families and even us getting uh, into a situation with the cops where we, we think that, man, we might not make it. When I was going to school uh, and, uh, in Miami, like, uh, I was always scared, you know, when I see the cops and when I'm going to school, I'm like, man, you know, there's a possibility I might not make it home or. Yeah. So we, we knew this, but I feel like now the whole country came together and they woke up they're like oh my god like this is not something we should ignore anymore you know it's not about politics where you stand you know it's about being a human being and like uh, my wife said like it's interesting to see out of this this uh, negativity you know these dark times that people are coming together and demanding change they want actual change and people are demanding it at every level uh, that's something that I think is needed and it's, it's, it's long overdue, man. It's probably like 200 years <laughs> overdue. Mm -hmm. And now people are finally reali realizing it because they noticed that a man is pleading for his life, right? Right. Pleading. I can't breathe, you know? And we heard that before. Right. And the police officer still kept his knee on his neck. That raw like uh unfiltered murder like i don't think you know it's something that anybody with a heart can not feel any you know anything and say oh you know what the, you know you can't you can't ignore that like it's it's too too raw it's in your face it's it's live it's real so yeah i mean like i i like i said i i was angry you know but now i'm taking that energy and putting it into you know like reaching my friends and family and then trying to come up with some real change yeah, that, I think so. This was the one that, you know, just like you said, broke the camel's back. Even mm -hmm. though we've we seen it a few times where they shot him, you know, this one was a little bit different because, you know, just like you said, it was so long. Yeah. yeah. And just like I said, I didn't watch the video, but I did hear, you know, he was calling for his mama and, and all of this. And I was like, wow. And and people people just, I guess people just saw it and they were like, man, this... This time it wasn't, you can't say, you know, I was fearing for my life. Nope. You know, that's what they always try to use. You know, I was, I was in fear. I had to pull out my gun and shoot or whatever it is. But this time, you know, everybody saw that you, you weren't in no type of fear. You nope. were just trying yeah. to search your dominance. Yeah. And, and I've had, I've had that happen. I, I'm not, not a cop put a knee on my neck, but I had, and they do this all the time. I had a cop come, you know, tell me to get on the ground and put his knee into my back, you know, wow. as he's, you know, putting the handcuffs on me. I didn't end up getting arrested, but, you know, I, I had to sit for a little while with some cuffs on until, you know, everything got, got figured out. But this mm -hmm. is not something, this is not a new tactic that they do. Yeah, you're right about that. We see it all the time. Uh, and Casey, I, want, I don't know if you wanted to, to add to what was said. In public health, you know, that power dynamic too, where black men and black women especially when they're faced with authority like uh how they're viewed you know and how they basically are suffered and dying in higher numbers than 
white women, right? Because they're not basically believed. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting because um I always tell people and try to make people aware that um even the American Public Health Association declares racism a public health issue. And it is. Racism is a public health issue in that there's this, there's something called environmental racism. And I'm really passionate about this. So this is actually one of those things that allows me to educate people on, once again, my two passions, public health and social social issues. And so environmental racism is when you have a built environment and it is uh, disproportionately underserved uh, in, in terms of resources. So for example, in a lot of communities that are mainly black and brown, you'll see an increase of liquor stores, convenience stores with very expensive foods, canned goods, not low uh, options for healthy foods. Um, you'll see food deserts and things like that. So this is by design and it has really long lasting impacts. This is environmental racism. You can go to a neighborhood that's 10 miles away from that neighborhood that's black and brown and it's predominantly white, you'll see less fast food uh, places. You'll see a Whole Foods, a Trader Joe's. You'll see so many different types of grocery stores, healthy food options, et cetera. That's for a reason. That's a built environment that was placed by design. And so that is an important topic to bring up as well. Um, and Pierre also talked about women. So, you know, another thing that kind of is uh, important to note is that, you know, why is, why is it that, um, for example, Black women die more of breast cancer, but are, are diagnosed less than white women? So hmm. that's always kind of throws people off. It even throws my, I'm like, wait, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So white women are, they have a higher ex life expectancy than Black women when it comes to breast cancer. So... Hmm. Black women, although are diagnosed less, will actually die more of this disease. Why is this? Wow. Black women, once again, might ha not have the same resources and access to healthcare that white women, their white counterparts may have. You have to account for the fact that there's medical biases in the medical field. Do it's been proven that doctors have biases against their patients that are of color, meaning yep. that that uh, directly impacts how they treat their patients. So if a black woman and a white woman come in, to see their gynecologist an hour apart, the Black woman is less likely to be prescribed pain meds, um, less likely to be listened to and heard by that doctor, as opposed to the white woman who's going to be heard, listened to, her pain is going to be taken into account when it comes to her diagnosis and her treatment. So this is a public health issue, racism, and they intersect. Racism and public health do intersect. So that's, that's something that I want to just start using my platform for even more so just educating people on this. And this is um, something that should be tackled and talked about. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm very passionate about that, getting that word out and that education out there. That's beautiful. I, I actually grew up in that environment that you're talking about. because I'm, I'm from Queens. And just like you said, you know, where we grew up, you know, is the black neighborhood and it there wasn't many resources for us. And, and we can clearly see in New York, you know how you said 10 miles, New York, one mile away, you know, 
is a white neighborhood and it's completely different. Their roads are nicer and their yeah. d- their bus stops are cleaner and, and it's just it's a completely different thing. Right. So yeah, in Queens, it not it's not just in Queens, but in New York period, you know, you could be on one block and it's like, you know, the hood, the projects, and two blocks away, it's like condos for white people or, you know, mm-hmm. higher class people or whatever you want to say. But is just like you said. And luckily for me, I had the opportunity to travel and and get out of that environment. So I knew the other side. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was sweeter, but it, you could tell that it was it was ta- it was more taken care of. Yeah. And even our schools, you know, the type of things we had in schools, you know, and just like you were saying, I actually have a friend who who works in the school in New York now, and one of his coworkers who works in Manhattan in the school, you know, in a nicer school. He talks about the kind of food that the kids get there, and it's like night and day. Wow. <laughs> and they're both public schools. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask in Casey, what do you think would be a solution to, you know, the, the medical thing? And yeah. what do you think we, sh- we need to do to improve? Do you think we need more black doctors, more black nurses, more? What do we need? Uh, I think a couple of things. I think it needs to start with um, legislation and an increase in funding. So I think that through policy and legislation change, different dollars can get trickled into communities of color. And then you'll start to see more resources in those communities, a better built environment. And it it needs to really start there. What we can do as individuals, of course, is vote. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the at the local level is kind of where it starts. We always think of voting as just a president. You know, we vote for president every four years, but it also is a local legislation. Look up who is running for even your city council, your um, school districts, the superintendents. These are also very important people to vote in because they they uh, come up with the budgets for cities and where they uh, think money should be allocated. So. I think that's important too. It's all about policy change. But there is, of course, with that would come too, um, with those resources would come increased education mm-hmm. for communities. So that's kind of, you know, what I do working in obesity prevention, making sure that education is getting out there to communities regarding um, healthier eating, maybe choosing water over soda and why that's important. Just simple messaging and education is super important and teaching that to our children mm-hmm. even so making sure that that education is is passed down um i like that you also mentioned more black doctors that's really really crucial as well i um <laughs> when i moved here actually to sacramento from los angeles and i was looking for a new doctor i called, I think, member services or whatever it is, and I requested a Black doctor. And the person over the phone was kind of like taken aback by that. He was like, oh, I can help you find a doctor, a new provider. And I was like, hey, do you have any female Black doctors? That's my preference. He's like, well, all of our doctors are good, (laughs) but, you know. That's not what I was asking. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I specifically want a Black physician. Right. Even better if they're female, just for me, I'm a woman. So even when it comes to mental health, which is a whole nother thing, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm very open with telling people that therapy is important. I've gone to therapy. I am going to be looking for a new therapist Mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue to go to therapy for my own well-being. And even when it comes to that, looking for a black 
therapist is really important. Um, there's actually a website called Therapy for Black Girls, and it has a whole list of um, Black therapists, licensed professionals on there that um, folks can kind of go to and look for a Black therapist. So, you know, change is, is coming and things are moving slowly, but um, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, that, that's definitely, definitely right. And it's sad to see as Black people, we have to think about these things. And Briggs, I know you are a big uh, supporter of that, about keeping the community accountable and then invest in our Black community and especially the Black youth, the next generation, to make sure that we'll support them so they can love themselves, have high self-esteem and be successful and never for a second doubt that they can't do it because of the, of the color of their skin. So I don't know if you want to add more to that because... Uh, we spoke yesterday and then you've been telling me the stuff that you and your your girlfriend is doing regarding uh, your daughter. You know, I don't know if you want to share some of that. Right. Um, well, just like in case you said, man, we got to educate. So that's I mean, I agree with you as far as, you know, legislation and voting. But we have to take it a step further and we have to make sure mm-hmm. we try to personally educate somebody. And I always tell my people, you know, don't eat that or don't drink soda, you know, it's like little simple things mm-hmm. that, you know, I guess it, it, mm-hmm. it's a sacrifice, but like I was, but what Pierre was getting at was like with my child, you know, I never introduced her to, to soda, you know, or juice even. Mm-hmm. Her diet is 95% water. I give her orange juice, you know, in the morning maybe. And then even then I dilute it a little bit, you know, I throw some water in there as well. Uh, yeah. Um, Bricks, I know that uh, you always talk about you're a supporter of uh, group economics for the Black community and basically invest in our own, you know, businesses, invest in our kids, you know, invest in anything Black that's actually, you know, doing something out there to elevate the community, right? So, and I know you talk about the way you and your girl raise, is raising your, your daughter. I don't know if you wanted to give uh, people a little bit more uh, insight on, on that talk and the conversation that, that we had about that. Yeah, well, I was going off of what in case she said about, you know, we need legislation. And, and I think, you know, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we got to start, you know, with ourselves, with our family, with our own community. We need legislation, but we need, a, we need our own politicians, right? You know, we need people from our neighborhood that we know that we can hopefully get elected into, you know, the local elections. And, and at this point, I, I've never voted. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I don't see myself voting in, in the future unless unless I, I actually can see who I'm voting for. Right. You know, like, but I think we, we have to start with our community, like uh, our own kids, our our neighbors or our other black people. We got to just try to just like you said, group economics. You know, we mm-hmm. got to get more into the barter system. Like I was telling you, Pierre, you know, you know how to do graphics. Maybe another black person knows how to do something that you need and you trade. We might not have the green dollars, but that's just as good as money, right? Yeah, you're right. And as far as with my family specifically, I know, you know, as soon as my daughter was born, you know, I just knew that I didn't want to raise her the same way, you know, with the same addictions that, you know, that I was raised with like candy and, and soda and things that are, are it just to be, you know, direct, they're pretty easy to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
just not introducing her to any of that period. No, you know, no juice. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't really even buy juice. We don't buy soda. We just have, you know, like some orange juice, maybe or some fresh squeeze, you know, orange juice and, mm-hmm. and some water pretty much. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've never introduced her to, to candy, uh, to ice cream, you know, even if we do, we have like, you know, like fruit, hundred percent fruit, you know, like icy pops that we may give her. Yeah. But other than that, she doesn't really, she doesn't really know, you know, snacks or even, I don't know if you guys seen on the internet lately, people have been doing like the fruit snacks challenge with their kids. And my, my daughter has no idea what that is. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I see. Like uh, she wouldn't be able to do that challenge because she, she, she doesn't know candy. She doesn't know gummy candy, which is, which is one of the worst things for us, you know? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sugar. Yep. Yep. So I think we have to start with ourselves. You know, if, if you indulge in these type of things, you know, just be aware that as soon as, you know, as soon as she was old enough to, to, to chew, she wanted to eat what was on my plate. You know, so I knew even when I was eating something bad, I knew I didn't want to feed her that. Yeah. So it forced me to, to get healthier. And, and I think that's where we need to start. We need to start with our kids and we need to start, you know, with our community. I always tell my, my guys not to drink soda and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the government, you know, they do play a part in what we have, but we just got to try to do better for ourselves, really. Yeah. We got to get more involved, you know, with local farmers and, and, and try to do better. Yeah. And it's at, it's at all level too. Diet is a big thing. You know, it's like my wife said, it's impacting us at a greater number, you know, and we have most, most of the diet related diseases are in the black and brown community. You know, why is that? You know, right. and we, we need to do better and then we need to put pressure on our local officials and local commerce and local businesses to bring healthier you know food options to to our communities and we have to invest in community gardens and i don't know if you want to add anything to that uh no that's a good point um it does also i believe start at home but i guess what i was saying about like structural change is that if you have a family that lives 20 miles from the nearest actual grocery store but down the street, they have a 7-Eleven and that's where they're getting most of their food and they have $100 to spend a month mm-hmm. and they have four kids, for example, right? It's, it's a little hard to just be like, well, change your behavior at home. That puts the blame only on the person and not on the structural um, institutional level. So yes, I believe you know education does start at home, but where does that education come from too, right? Um, A lot of people don't just have that intuition to be like, you know what, I'm going to eat better for my kids. I'm going to cook this instead of that. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't have the wherewithal. And if they're working within a small budget, they might not know exactly how to stretch that out. A lot of the people, a lot of people think that they have this notion that organic food is way more expensive. Vegetables and fruits are way more expensive. And no one is sitting down with them and budget, helping them budget that out. They might not have... um, those, like I said, those resources to figure that out. And so they're doing what they can. They have hungry kids. And so if there's McDonald's across the street, they're mm-hmm. gonna go there as opposed to taking two buses and transferring to a trolley to get to Whole Foods where they're actually spending more money. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's why I was focusing a little bit more on um, the uh, policy changes, but there, but I, I agree with what you said. It has to be um, a multi-systems change 
um, for lack of better words, has to be change at different levels, mm. policy, right. individual, and group levels. Mm. All have to be working together right. to change this. And I, I did like what you said about um, electing Black people in as legislators. I think that's important too. But I also, to kind of go back a little bit even more, not all skin folk is kin folk. So we can't just Very elect true. people because of the color of their skin only. Mm-hmm. That's a Correct. benefit and a bonus, but they have to be equipped themselves. There's a lot of folks that are exactly. politics that want the check or they want the bragging yeah. rights or whatever. So we have to also be strategic on who we're putting in, in these offices. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned sacrifice. It does have to be there too. Um, you know, convenience is big. We like our spending and shopping and sweets and all of this stuff. We like all of these things and sacrifice does have to be there. And touching a little bit about uh, economics, I think this might be controversial to say, but capitalism will not save Black America. We, capitalism will not be the answer to saving Black communities. Putting Money in the pockets of big industries who don't care about us will not help us gain generational wealth, right? So making sure your kids have $100 sneakers, but you're buying them 99-cent nuggets. You know, it's just, uh, sorry if I'm going off on a little tangent here, but I believe that that's also important to looking at um, getting rid of the notion that capitalism it's going to save us and help us. And it's not, um, we have to build our own, you know, because at the end of the day, we're putting money in the pockets of these big industries and corporations that aren't giving back to us. Right. I definitely agree with that. And I think that goes to sacrifice too. You know, maybe, you know, you sacrifice those nice Nikes or something like you said. Um, But I think, just like me and Pierre were talking about, I think group economics is, is the way we could take care of ourselves and, you know, make money for the community. Just like you said, not everybody has the intuition or, or the knowledge of how to eat better or something like that. We just got to, the ones that know, you know, each one teach one pretty much. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where we got to come at, the, at that point. And, and we have to try to spend our money with us. Just like you said, the big corporations aren't going to save us. We have to try to spend our money with us. If everybody, if everybody makes a conscious effort, I know you can't every time, mm-hmm. but if you, before you spend a dollar, if you at least think about, can I spend this with a black person? Right. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Right. Exactly. That'll, that'll help mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That's true. I know in Jewish communities, their dollar circulates within their community. Oh, man, I forgot the number of times, but it's like 15 times or 20 mm-hmm. times within yeah. their own community. Yeah. But when it comes to the black dollar, it circulates once and then it leaves our community. Mm-hmm. So we're giving money to, exactly. for example, like the beauty industry, the hair industry, if yep. you will. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this. I'm a black woman. I get my hair done. I like, you know, black women spend billions of dollars annually on their hair. Where's that money going? To the Asian community, not to black people. Correct. So I, I think that that's a good thing to bring up, like supporting our own businesses, researching how to start businesses, mm-hmm. how to own a franchise. Yep. You know, I'm even looking into yep. that, um, maybe getting a franchise 
I was reading that, forgot which one it was, but it takes like 10 grand or something mm-hmm. to start one or to have one. So, but it, it's complex, right? Because a lot of black people don't have the capital to start. It takes Correct. money to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not all yes. Donald Trump. We don't all have a million dollar gifts from our daddies to start businesses, <laughs> yeah. you know? So <laughs> he called it a small loan. Right. We don't all have a small loan. I don't know any <laughs> black people uh, that yeah. I can scroll through on my phone mm-hmm. that have a million dollars. So it's like, yeah, like, uh, we mentioned that a few times on the podcast breaks that, uh, it comes with education, like, uh, financial literacy, right? When we're younger, we wish that our parents told us, you know, do not take student loans, right? Or Correct. how to do your taxes. You know, that's really important, right? right. And there were- Yeah, the, I'm still yeah, lost. They were at the point where <laughs> I'm thinking, now I'm actually really processing it. Maybe they didn't know, right? Maybe- They didn't. Maybe I'm, I was thinking that my dad, you know, my dad knew or my mom knew, but they didn't, right? And I think that's something right. we have to start Enfor- not enforcing, but make black people aware of that you should know certain things, you know, not everything because some of those financial uh, terms or those uh, financial systems are complex. But I'm right. saying like the day to day stuff, the stuff that you actually need to function, you know, in society, especially your black children to actually prepare, you know, for retirement, because I know. And like middle of America, like you, you start thinking about retirement when you're probably in your mid twenties to thirties. But I feel like for us, since we're so disparaged, since we have a lot of obstacles we're going to face, I think that we should start earlier than everybody, right? Just to basically yeah. catch, to catch up to them when we are the same age as, as them. You see what I'm saying? So we don't have the luxury to learn later. We have to learn faster, sooner, and keep that mentality going too. And I, I definitely agree. I think, um, just like you said, it really starts in the community, man. And at this point, just like you said, our parents didn't know, but now most of us have all this information right at our fingertips, right? So it's like, we got it and, and we got to share it with everybody we know. Just like Pierre, you could attest to this. Every time I get an article that I feel like, you know, Pierre would be interested in or something Pierre could learn, I send yeah, it right over. You're right. Yeah. And that's just, you know, my way of helping him get educated. You know, he's some things that, and I'm not saying I learn it all the time. Because it might not interest me, but I'm like, this is something Pierre would want to learn, or this might be Pierre's boat, and I just send it over yeah. him. And I think we just got to make a better effort of, of of teaching each other. We got to do better as far as community. Like when I was in Queens, you know, I, I knew a few of the people on the block. Mm-hmm. That's not enough, right? It's like, yeah, we need to know everybody. You know, everybody should know everybody who's on the block, and we should all we should have our own little block meetings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, we don't. I, I've never seen that in the black community. And neighborhood watch and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know what I'm saying? And and we need to we need to to be better with community. And I think that's where we should start. Yeah. And and then another thing too, uh, when it comes to how the black community is being policed, like most of those cops are from the next city, the next town. Correct. And they don't even Correct. know who we are. So to them. They have what no they see idea. on TV is like, oh, the black man is dangerous, the black woman is dangerous, but they don't really know. If right. you get to know them, you probably have a lot more in common, you know, than different. So uh, right. I feel like that's another thing we need to, we need the police that are actually policing us should know the community or from the community, you know, because that way. I, ch- I challenge the black cops that are from the community to ask to, to be in their own community. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And I know the community is, I'm not going to say they're nice to cops, 
but that's because of how they mm-hmm. treat us, right? So, you know, they don't treat us with respect and then they just, they, they demand respect, which is kind of mm-hmm. backwards. Um, but if they were from the community, you know, they would be able to, you know, better, like black people, we joke, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like the black cop may be able to, to, to understand our jokes more and then they may, and even, even us, when we walk through the community, we know who's dangerous, you know what I'm saying? We know who's, who's doing this and who's doing that. And who's just going to school and who just plays basketball? We know all of this yeah. because we live there. And it's just like you said, somebody else would come into the neighborhood and, and, and start bothering somebody. And even all the stories you hear, I'm sure you've heard this one, you know, uh, oh, somebody called the cops on somebody who was autistic and the cops came shooting uh-huh. and, and, and doing all types of crazy shit. And it's like, wow. You know, it's like, what's, what's, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. We can't change it yet, obviously, but... I would challenge, you know, black cops to, to to ask to be in black community. I know you guys, you know, sit behind me, you know, on the the blue the blue the blue silence or whatever. And you're not gonna say yeah. that it's wrong, but the, the least you could do is be like, you know what? I request to be in in this community. Yeah, and maybe that'll help us out. You're right. And I think recruiting black police officers too, making sure that we increase the percentage of black officers in the force. In the force. Mm-hmm too might might change things um but i think another contributing factor to all this is gentrification we have black communities that are being turned upside down by these white corporations and developments and then what happens is you have these black communities you're used to your own people and whatever Mm -hmm. and you have karen that comes in with her family and she calls the cops (laughs) on everyone because she's not used to Jerome that's hanging out on the street corner yep. who's there every day, probably been doing that for 10 years of his life, mm-hmm. just smoking or whatever yep. he wants to do. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden it's a threat, right? Yeah. Because in her head, black bodies equals a threat. Mm-hmm. So gentrification is a big thing too. I I remember getting so heated when I heard about um, Howard University and how, first of all, uh, DC used to be known as Chocolate City. It's no longer called that. Yeah. <laughs> And no, uh, no. it's Vanilla City now, I guess. But um, <laughs> super expensive. I know Howard University has this historic lawn, the yard, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And these white folks came in and started walking their dogs on the yard and leaving poop and stuff like that, and not not um, respecting it. This historically black college, mm-hmm. and the black people around the community were getting a, were getting pissed. Mm-hmm. I remember this one guy made a video and he was like walking his dog yeah. or whatever. He's like, I have a right. This is public, pl- a public place. I have a right to do this. And da, 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 da. And it's like, see, this is what happens mm-hmm. when unfortunately we can't keep our communities for ourselves. And um, I think I heard you and Pierre talking about Nipsey Hussle and how he was trying to buy back his community yep. before he was killed. And I think that's really important also, buying back our community. I read something the other day that was saying that we can start buying back um, houses, like kind of like fixer-uppers, mm-hmm. and starting there. Um, once again, I know that takes money, gets complicated, but building back block by block, having it for us, right? Because that's what happened. That's, what, that's how it was uh, yep. before integration. Yeah, We had our own... Right communities, mm-hmm. banks, grocery stores for us. Yes. We don't have that anymore as much. Right. So 
my nope. aunt actually said it was and uh, when she said this to me a few years ago i was kind of taken aback she said integration was kind of the worst thing to happen to black americans because mm-hmm. yes, i was like what oh. like yes, it took ma'am. me back because i'm thinking yeah. in the history books they teach us the kumbaya integration happened cool that means we're equal now mm. well what that did yeah, was right, <laughs> right? <laughs> what that did was allowed us to kind of lose our black businesses a little bit and we were kind of forced Correct. to just kind of mix in together and mm-hmm. we lost something by doing all of that. We mm-hmm. lost our black ident- um, independence mm-hmm. while doing that. So, yes. so I think we should have a um, large conversation on that too. That's a very, yeah. very important point yeah. that you made. I definitely agree. And I'm, I, I'm all for, you know, I always joke around that, you know, if I if I went to a restaurant now and it said whites only, I'd be too happy not to go into that restaurant, right? Like you don't want my money, right. fuck yeah. you, you know. And it's like that's you know that's where I'm at with it. It's like you know we just got we gotta just like you said with um you know buying mm-hmm. back the houses, buying you know we have to do it together, man. We have to we have to get with our community and and try to do it together. Uh, I heard a story. I was reading a story on Twitter earlier. Mm-hmm. A uh, black investor said, you know, he went into a white neighborhood and he's a real estate investor and he was looking at a property. And the next day, the real estate agent called him and said, that property is no longer on the market. Somebody bought it. And he thought it was kind of strange. He said, you know, this, this property has been on the market for six hmm. months. So why, right when I went in there and then the, the agent later told him that four white people in the neighborhood put their money together and bought that property. So he wow. wouldn't buy it. Wow. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel bad about that, you know? And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do as a black community instead of, you know, just like you said, gentrification. And, and maybe it's not money. It's maybe, you know, if I know how to, if, I, if I'm a plumber, you know what I'm saying? And go into your neighborhoods and, you know, pass out these cars and maybe give some discounts or, or just like I said, maybe barter. You know, maybe somebody else has something that you need and, and they need plumbing work. And I just keep coming back to the same point, right? It's like, man, we need to just come, just like you said, have a conversation with ourselves. And that's my challenge for everybody is to, you know, meet your neighbor. If you, if you live in a black community and you don't know everybody in your block, go meet them or set up a, a block meeting. And, and, you know, whoever shows up, shows up. And who doesn't, doesn't. But, you know, we have to start slow or start with that and, we could figure out, listen, oh, oh this guy's a carpenter or, or this guy does this or this person does this. And, and then from there, we can, we can help each other. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. And uh, going back to, you know, what my wife said about integration. And so, so what happened then is the fact that doing segregation, we knew where we stand, right? We knew, we saw the enemy. Right. So integration basically threw like a camouflage on the enemies. We can't see them anymore, right? So... That's why it's systematic, because what happened is it went underground. So it went deeper into the system, right? right? They will get denied exactly. business loans, but they give you a student loan because they know they're going to make money off you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we get yeah. denied with redlining. You know, even if you were a doctor, uh, guys, even if you had the money cash in certain cities, you yeah. go, they won't let you live in that in, in neighborhood because you're black. That's what a lot of white people understand. Like doing redlining, especially in Chicago and Mississippi and New York and a lot of other places in the South. Even if you had the money, even if you were upper middle class, that doesn't mean anything. 
most white people, that's how they see you. So it's, it's even today, a lot of celebrities would get checked. You know, a lot of black celebrities, they realize, oh shit, I went to that store just because uh, I was, you know, looking casual. You know, I was trying to blend in. I get treated differently. I'm a multimillionaire. I can buy anything and everything in the store. You know what I'm saying? So that that's another issue too that uh, that we face as black people in, in, in America. So like you said, as a community, we're to come together and then spend our money within our own community and uplift each other and keep it there. Make it almost like a pledge for all exactly. generations, you know, to keep exactly. the black dollar yep. in the black community. Don't sell that business to, to a white uh, investor, you know, look for a black investor, you know, don't exactly. rent from, uh, from a white landlord, rent from a black landlord. So all communities are doing it, but now we're realizing, I mean, it's been uh, a topic that, you know, we need to talk about as a community, but now we're seeing that it's super important that we, we do that. Yep. I definitely agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so we always bring our technology, uh, into, you know, our topics and the, the traditional media and how they're actually trying to portray us black people when the the protests, the riots, the looting were happening. They were trying to pinpoint everything on us <laughs> and thank God for Twitter and later Instagram that actually started to say, hey, you know, it's everybody. You know, it's not just black people. White kids are out there smashing windows and stealing Nikes and Gucci purses too. So <laughs> I saw some white kids stealing uh um uh surfboards. Yeah, so you know, so, so <laughs> you know, one thing I want to ask you guys, you know, oh, technology man. is actually showing everything and what's happening on both sides, on the black community side, you know, and the white community side, and how they're actually viewing this moment right now. Do you any any of you guys can can answer this? Do you do you guys think that technology will be always beneficial for the black community will that be something that we actually have to integrate into our freedom or justice and equality plan or do you think that it's something that might have the possibility to further like oppress us what do you guys think i i think oh, oh i'm sorry uh, yeah i think it uh, definitely can help no, us in a few ways um speaking of police firstly i think that of course, we, we hear these conversations around body cams and um, po policies are being written in some areas where it's mandatory that police have body cams on at all times. Um, I think that's a good start when it comes to the police and what they can do to be held accountable. Technology kind of taking another route can also be oppressive in that or biased in that technology has been shown to discriminate, right? So mm -hmm. I know there's like facial technologies, like, you, you know, that don't know how to read black features. <laughs> um, yeah. like <laughs> Even when you go wash your hands, they don't right. have black skin. And you know, Pierre, that, yeah, Pierre that made to me the other day and I'm like, wait, is <laughs> this true? Because I'll go to wash my hands in so some of those true. automatic sinks and I cannot get that thing to turn on. Racist yep. <laughs> sinks. Racist yeah, even time, yeah. um <laughs> I got a Fitbit recently, finally, and um I read an article that said the darker your skin is, the harder it is for the Fitbit, the sensor on there wow. to monitor your heart rate because it uses like um <laughs> red light or something mm -hmm. green light or red light or something yeah. like that to detect like your heart rate and things like that. Um like arrhythmia and 
Wow. Yeah. Quickly and canceled. I was just like, I read it like a week after I had just <laughs> bought my Fitbit. And I'm like, dang, like, what do I do? You know, so AI and technology can still be biased in mm. a lot of ways, too. I don't know. We have a long, a long way to go. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. We got to be up ahead of it, I think. Just like it definitely could be biased. Um, but if we're ahead of it, if we're teaching our kids, you know, AI or coding early and things like that, we, we got to we have an opportunity to be ahead of the curve this time. You know, with you know, everybody has a phone, uh, uh, you know, you got Google on your phone and and there's a bunch of coding academies. And there's even a, a black man who wrote a, a coding mm-hmm. book for, for kids. I sent it to all of my people who have kids over, you know, uh, I think it was like, it's good for kids like over mm-hmm. six years old or something. But I think we have to aggressively be ahead yeah. of that curve. Yeah. And when I was growing up, I remember it was like Jay-Z, money ain't a thing. And it was like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and, and Kobe. And that was the only black, that was the only rich black people mm-hmm. that we see, you know what I'm saying? Or or, or had money in it. And now it's like there's a lot of opportunity for us to be ahead of the curve if we aggressively try to teach our kids, you know, AI and 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 stuff like that, and and get them into robotics or or whatever. Um, but we have to be aware, and we have to we have to teach the mm-hmm. people that are not aware. Maybe you know somebody's not aware of, of of technology and what's going on, so we gotta teach them. Just like the same thing I do with you, Pierre. Just like when I when I found that book, you know, I just like I said, mm-hmm. I sent it to all of my people who I know have kids that might be able to benefit. And I'm like, yo, yeah, you're right kid. about that. And and another yeah, another issue too with the whole uh, AI and software developers, or when you look at the tech industry, as we all know, it's not diverse. You know, it's not diverse at all. And I was looking at an infographic the other day that was actually showing you certain companies, you know, like Facebook or Twitter or you know Apple, you know the big guys, you know, to see like at their top level, like senior level, there's basically no minorities no you know no you know so everything is run by white Nowhere. men you know uh they actually even pushing <laughs> white women out of that space you, you see what i'm saying so it's interesting to be like these are the guys actually writing our future in a technological sense and then we have nothing to say about it that's why most ai systems are biased you know because they're actually writing the biases into the code and Five years from now, right. they release a software or release a piece of technology that sees us as what they see us as. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's like a reflection of the biases yes. and their ignorance. So that's why now Silicon Valley, a lot of people are pressuring them to actually add more uh, black people, you know, add, you know, more women. So you can actually get a different perspective because if you write a piece of code to benefit you only, a lot of people are going to suffer. Man, this, this made me mad. I read uh, somewhere in London, they were saying, oh, you know, in the governing body, they don't have any minorities at all. Zero, right, in London. And then the reporter asked the guy, I forgot the, the, the name of the guy, and she was like, okay, so what do you guys have? And he said, you know what? What we have, you know, the government body and the, I guess the British uh, parliament or their version of Congress, we have diversity of thought. So she's like, wait a second. You don't have any diversity and your system, you know, in the building, how are you going to have diversity of thought? So basically, you're telling me, like, I can think for you. Right. You don't even need to be here. Like, that doesn't make yeah, any right. sense. Are you even <laughs> listening to yourself right now? 
So this is how these guys no, think. You think not. Jeff Bezos is thinking about diversity of thought when he when he thinks about us or Mark Zuckerberg? They don't give a crap about us. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They said that we're thinking for you. We're building the system. You should be happy that we're building it for right. you. You don't need to be included. And that's fucking frustrating. Exactly. And, you know, I'm really passionate about technology yeah. and I want to get in that space even deeper. But when I look at the top, like we're not represented at all. And then you put black women, that's another issue. They're not even, they're nowhere to be found. They are not even in the same right. building, you know, when it comes to that. So it's it's a lot of issues, and I and I'm happy out of you know this these dark times that people are actually looking at all aspects of society and seeing that hey you know what right. you need to include more minorities more black people you know because America is changing you know it's not the 1950s anymore and I I hope people continue to keep they you know keep their foot yeah. on the gas. As far as with this, because you know, every every I've seen almost every company let out a nice little statement yeah. picture on your Instagram and say how much you love us all of a sudden, but you ain't got no black execs, bro. You know, if you don't have no black execs, keep your statement. Right. <laughs> you know, hire some, promote some of those black people you mm-hmm. got, and, and then that's gonna show us a statement. That's gonna help our community. You know what I'm saying? And the last the last company that I worked for. It was probably the most diverse company I've ever worked for, and, and you know, they had all types of people, and, and that was one of their one of their one of their core values was like diversity. But even then, you know, once you look go to the website and you look at the execs, no yep. black people to be yep. found. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's like, yo, if you want, if you stand with us, then then promote some of these yeah. black people. Um, my friend was telling me earlier, my friend Sherry, that we were talking about this issue. And she told me something I didn't know. Like Serena Williams' uh, husband stepped down from Reddit. And he said, replace me with Reddit. a black person. Oh, okay. With a black person. Yeah, he's right. like, I want to see. So it's like, wow, that's something I've never seen or heard before in my entire life. <laughs> but these are the kind of things we need to right. see. I wonder what the guys on Reddit were saying uh-huh. about that. Because I know, you know, there's this a whole uh-huh. side of Reddit. Oh, yeah. I wonder what yeah. they had to say about it. In Kishi, as a as a black woman, like where after you know everything settles down, like uh, do you have hope that you're gonna include more black women in a higher level of society? Let's say from government to technology, you know, to all that stuff, to education. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, it it is great to see like with what's going on in the country. It is kind of um turning the mirror on a lot of these companies or they're holding the mirror up to themselves and looking at their executive boards and who they have um, in those positions. But why did it take a murder to do that? You know, it, so it, just, it rubs me slightly the wrong way because it's, it comes off as less authentic, right? It's not some morality thing. Like overnight they were just like, Oh, I'm going to hire more black people. No, you were forced to do that. <laughs> so um, there's this thing called like the pull up challenge or pull up or shut up on Instagram. And it's basically telling these companies, okay, cool. You posted the little black square and you love black, you know, black lives matter all of a sudden to you, but pull up with those figures, mm-hmm. show us the figures of how many black execs you have in your companies. And it started mainly in like the beauty industry yep. Let's see it. Um, but they're they're challenging um, tech and other industries too to kind of pull up with those figures and show us who are you hiring, right? And so um, when it comes to black women, 
we all need to keep that same energy when it comes to black women, keep the same momentum going Mm -hmm. because black women not only face oppression for our race, but also our gender. Mm -hmm. That's called intersectionality. Mm -hmm. We deal with an intersection of of gender and race at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to employment, things as simple as the texture of my hair, the style of my hair can get me less job opportunities. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. You know, hair texture, right? Like, I have kinky, coily hair, natural hair that's seen as unprofessional. Studies have shown that white people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, this is so what, year, what year is this again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Does she right. do her job? Right. As long as I'm presentable, like, I'm professional, <laughs> I'm carrying myself well, it shouldn't oh, happen, man. right? Mm-hmm. Which is a whole, that's a whole different thing. But like, it's still important to talk about because Black women deal with another layer. Mm-hmm. that even black men don't deal with right and so we need to just have conversations we need to hire black women listen to black women also indigenous women trans women we need to learn their perspectives and hire us right and not only when black people become a hashtag mm-hmm. we have existed in this country right. um, for hundreds of years we are american citizens so we need to talk about this. Man, if anybody who owns a business is listening, any white person, hire black women. I don't know nobody who I would want to run my business. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Black woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. they are about it, you know? And it's, it's, that's weird. I, I, I guess it's weird for us because um, we grew up with black women and I, don't, mm-hmm. I never had that bias per se, but that's, that's, uh, they, right. they dropping mm-hmm. the ball on that one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy to see. Yeah, it's it's sad to see, like like uh, in case you said that it took like a murder, and not just this one, you know, countless murders, right, for right. America to to start waking up, man. And then one thing too, like uh, with the black community, that we we started to be even more fearful of electing leaders, if you think about it, because all the leaders we had that came to try to make change and try to fight for us. They got assassinated. They were assassinated. That's something in our heads that, uh, especially black men, we don't, sometimes we don't want to stand up. You know, we're tough in the streets, right? You know, we can do all that. We're trying to fight. We're trying to do that. But when it comes to actually face the real enemy, the white oppressive system, we cower. We basically don't know what to do. I hope that this will give black men more courage also to to face the community, take that energy and then go directly and face the enemy uh, and not be afraid. You know, at this time, at, at this point, it's a war. You have to put your life on the line for your people. And it's something that subconsciously we've been processing because, you know, MLK, you know, got killed. You know, Malcolm X got killed, you know. Uh, look what they did to the Black Panther movement. They separated us, divided and killed us, you know. Oh so U.E.P. Newton, you know, and Heldris Cleaver. So, yeah, Fred Hampton. Yeah, so all Fred these Hampton. things we're seeing, and it's basically a way to tell us, you know what, if you come to us directly, uh, you lose your life. And that's uh, intimidation tactics, you know, from the white oppressive system. So we got to, now we have to fight. We have to keep going. You know, we can't be afraid because uh, wars are not won by soldiers who are afraid. You know, you have to be brave. Yeah, I definitely agree. Every, I, I think that everybody has the, has to play their part. You know, you have to figure out what your part in that, in that yeah. movement or the war is. 
and you have to play and you know you gotta be accountable for for yourself and and, and try to try to help as many people as you can and the whole Nipsey thing I'm I'm still not over that yeah. you know so it's still it's still a sore spot for me I still get tears in my eyes yeah. sometimes when I hear Nip and I I, I don't know if I I don't know I, I I'm still I'm still you know pessimistic about it I I, I just feel like they don't even have to know. We just got we just got keep yeah, it to ourselves. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I still don't trust it yet. I, I mean, unless we're ready to protect, you know, ourselves, and and I'm sure there was there's, there's plenty of people who, you know, obviously if they were in uh, on, on Crenshaw's mm-hmm. loss in that day, they probably would have would have protected it. You know, yeah. the right people were around. And you're right about that. I don't know when we do have those those warriors who mm-hmm. who, who aren't afraid. To speak up, we got to do a better job yeah. of protecting them. Because at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're looking out for our, our tribe, you know, our people. They're protecting us. So we should, we owe them the same thing. And at the same time, so we, we have we have to defend ourselves, man. We have to, you know, I know in California, you, you, you guys' gun laws are pretty strict. But we still have to, you know, try to protect ourselves as much as we can. And, you know, mm-hmm. Second Amendment mm-hmm. works for us as well. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if you guys have, have strict gun laws, maybe we look at, Hiring yeah. private security, you know. Maybe if if Nip had a twenty four hour security guard at the building he owned, you know, maybe yeah, things right. would have been different. Yeah. So I think we have to we have to do yeah. a better job. I think with, at, at with Nipsey, like he was so comfortable, you know, in his environment. Right, He's right. Like, of course. Gonna, yes. What's what's that? What kind of signal or message that's gonna send? You know, these are my people. I don't need to be protected. Well, at the same time, too, that's true. But you know, just just hiring a black person is helping the black community. Even if, even if, mm-hmm. I mean, Nip had a black bodyguard, you know what I'm saying? He had his bodyguard, but maybe if he would have hired, you know, a, a, a guy who just walks around the the, the, the block, you know, like, mm-hmm. I remember next Friday when, when, when yeah. they were, you know, top flight security, something like that, man. And that, that, that's, I don't think we should look at it as a pride thing. We should look at it as, I'm hiring somebody who's going to feed his family and, Maybe yeah. You're right no, I, I mean obviously, I mean I don't, I don't, obviously you know Nip had just bought that building, so maybe all obviously all of his plans weren't put into place. But you know, I think we just need to do a better job of of yeah, protecting our warriors. Right I'm going to take it a little step further with protecting, and once again mention women, um, because. You know, Nipsey Hussle, um, rest in peace, we Mm -hmm. did not protect him. His own community, unfortunately, could not protect him. But Black women are also not protected. Mm -hmm. And so I always make it a point to talk about women who are not celebrities. Um, Mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, Mm -hmm. um, Santonia, I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly, uh, Brown, Mm -hmm. who was... um, a victim of sex trafficking and then imp- imprisoned mm-hmm. for it. So I'm always going to be that right. voice for women and mm-hmm. black women because they also need protecting, especially by our black men. Because mm-hmm. if not, if not y'all, who else? Right? We face high rates of domestic violence. They mm-hmm. said domestic violence rates increase tenfold due to COVID-19. Why? Because black women, not only Black women, but women were forced to stay at home with their abusers. They had nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. They were then abused more. Um, this might be an uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversation, but it has to be a conversation. You have a daughter, Bricks. Um, I don't have children yet, me and Pierre. Mm-hmm. Not yet, but 
these are things that we also need to equip ourselves with these these facts these um the willingness to protect girls and women you know um little black girls are perceived as uh more threatening older and more aggressive than white girls and are kicked out of school more than little white girls are there's a book called push out and it talks about that exact thing it talks about the fact that black girls are suspended from school for doing normal making normal childhood mistakes mm-hmm. and for for their yep. hairstyles being too ethnic or too exotic too large too whatever mm-hmm. and so we have to i encourage men and black men specifically please stick up for black women mm-hmm. um i have yet to see a movement surrounded by a death of black women mm-hmm. um there you know I, I always think about um, uh, even I even a personal story of mine. My good friend from grad school was murdered mm-hmm. in her sleep with her mother. Oh, wow. um, sorry if I'm taking this down a dark path mm-hmm. just for a while, but it's very we have to have, have these hard conversations. Yeah, yeah. So my friend was murdered in her yeah. sleep right after Fourth of July um, a few years back by a a guy who I still don't know exactly what happened, but I I believe he was trying to date my friend. Uh, She turned him down. He came back and shot and killed her and her mother, left a son behind. And this was a woman who was changing her community. Mm -hmm. She worked in um, a school that uh, was for young black girls. And she was an advocate for her community and a leader. So one of the smartest, most ambitious women I've ever met. And who protected her? Did the mm-hmm. block say who this young man was? It took a while, actually, for them to find who that person was. But I say all this to say, protect Black women at all causes, because we deal with so many layers um, of oppression. And there's this notion that we're always strong. Right. That's the first thing you hear when you say black women. Oh, y'all are strong. Right. We don't always not always strong. <laughs> you don't have to be. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't always have to be. We don't expect right. white women to always be strong. These they're seen on TV crying and showing emotion and being a normal human being. We have to be strong. We have to be warriors for some reason. We need y'all to be warriors. We need y'all to be warriors for us. Right. And um, yeah. so I just wanted to kind of throw that little yeah. caveat out there. I know y'all were talking about Nipsey, but we have to kind of move it past the celebrity talk a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about women we actually know in our lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, and our mothers, our right. sisters, our cousins, our friends, mm-hmm. you know, we have to ensure that we are speaking out for them. If you see them mistreated, speak out about it. It just gets really disheartening because I see online all the talk about um, Black women and we get kind of uh, dogged out a little bit. So it gets a little daunting. Um, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of start that conversation a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's very important. I, just like you said, exactly. I got, I'm, I'm raising a black girl. So yeah. right. that's my number one mission. That's literally my number one right. mission is to protect my girl, my black woman, you know, and it comes down to, just like you said, we have mm-hmm. to have these conversations yeah, with ourselves, man. Um, we got to come together and we have to protect our, our women. We have to protect our mm-hmm. our daughters, our mothers. And let me ask you this, though. I do want to I want to throw a wrench in there, play devil's advocate. I've seen, and I'm not going to say just for black uh-huh. women, and, and this, is, this is for anything. When 
you know, it's almost like when, when they tell you, you know, somebody's a drug addict, they, they're they not ready mm-hmm. to go to rehab until they're ready, right? How do you feel about, you know, Black women or women in general or who may be abused and somebody, you know, tries to help them or, 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 or and they're not really ready for that help? What do you, what do you suggest people do or like a Black man can do? Let's say my sister is being abused and, you know, I'm, I, I could come up and, and beat his ass, but at that point, you know, I can get arrested, you know what I'm saying? And and while I'm in jail, they could be back together. And, and it st- shouldn't deter us from trying to protect them. But what do you think about that? I mean, obviously, you, you probably have more insight into domestic violence than I do. Where, what's the... What's the, um, what's the what do I do that? think that the person does have to want to change, but it's very complex. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of women um, right. are brainwashed, uh, unfortunately, to rely on and forced to rely on their abuser for resources, money, transportation, medical care, anything, right? A lot of women literally don't have a way out. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I more so am saying when it comes to protecting Black women is when it, let's talk about like y'all friends, not even just you and Pierre, but male friends and relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure at some point in your time, you've experienced your boys talking to a woman in a certain way, possibly. Mm-hmm. And that behavior does not get corrected. Right. And I'm not trying to sit here and say men or whatever. I'm not mm-hmm. turning this into that conversation. Um, men are bad or anything like that. But mm-hmm. correct the bad behaviors you see with your boys. You know, I see it all the time on college campuses. Mm-hmm. It's this culture yeah. that is created um, where it's normalized for men to, cr- to treat women a certain way. Mm-hmm very normalized. This is what happens when you live in a society that is dominated by men. And so have those hard conversations with your friends who are male and say, hey, you don't talk to her like that. Talk to her like this. Mm -hmm. You know, simple things, talking to your daughter. If you have a son, um, I hear it all the time and it irks me so bad when I hear people say, oh, oh man, I don't want a daughter. I don't want a daughter because I don't want her talking to no boys and da 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 da. But they don't talk about how they're gonna educate their young <laughs> boys on how to treat women mm-hmm. or how to treat the how to treat right. the boys' boyfriends. We don't even yeah. know their sexual orientation, mm-hmm. but how to treat a partner. We don't teach our little boys sometimes, oftentimes, um, about treating people with respect. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts at that level. Yep. Um, and so I don't have all the answers particularly when it comes to um, domestic violence per se, but there are a lot of resources out there for women, but she does have to be ready. But we can at least let her know that, you know, if you need some help, look up the resources. Right. If you, if you need a ride somewhere, if you need to do some, you know, you could reach out to me or you could reach out to, you know, like you said, community or, 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 or something like that. Um, but that's definitely true, man. I always tell, I tell, I tell all my people. I say, you better teach, you better teach your sons because <laughs> right. I'm gonna teach my daughter how to shoot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna teach my daughter how to protect herself. And you know, I I, I love the conversation. You know, that you say you gotta and, teach your and sons. One, and one thing too, like uh, when it comes to you know how to teach boys to respect the girls. You know, one thing I noticed is that we don't teach them. Like the invisible sign, the body language. Let's say, okay, right. uh, certain things are visible. You can say, hey, I can help you. But as a man also, a woman can be, you know, a friend of mine or a colleague or a coworker, and she's getting abused. But 
I don't have the training or or way to pick up what's going on. Because it's interesting to see, like, uh, when we ask people, how are you doing? They're like, oh, we're doing fine. Or I'm doing fine. Everything's okay. But there's a way right. I feel like, uh, especially for black men, you know, if you see certain behaviors, you know, if you have, if you have a friend or, you know, a sister or even your mom, if you see that her behavior is changing and certain things are not registering, you know, you got to be able to pick it up. And I wish that there was a way maybe to have that resource out there that I can actually take a class that shows you, hey, you know, these are some signs that a, a woman might be getting abused or a girl might be getting abused that you should watch out for. Because I feel like sometimes the awareness is not even there. Even if you wanted to help, you know, and you can help, but how do you, you know, this... You know, or even right. just, even she feels uncomfortable, you know? Maybe you're yeah. trying to speak to her and she doesn't want you speaking to her. She feels uncomfortable. You, I, I mean, mm-hmm. most people with common sense can sense that. You know what I'm saying? Like, she don't want to be bothered. You know, she might be pretty. She might look good. You might want her number, but she don't want to be bothered by you might right now. Or maybe she already got it. my man. She yeah. don't want mm-hmm. you, nigga. So keep it pushing. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's important you know, to bring up, too, day. like um, body language yeah. and context clues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to throw out a resource I just remembered yeah. before I forget. I think it's an Instagram I found in. It's called He for She. And it talks about everything we're talking about right now. It's like um, having men kind of sign like a pledge to protect women. Mm. But um, what Pierre was saying about like body language and right. noticing, not even just of abuse, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to go that far sometimes. Noticing signs of just like you said, Briggs, being uncomfortable. Right. If a woman yeah. is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. she's going to show it in her body language. She's going to be shifty or mm-hmm. um, a lot of men, unfortunately, can't yep. hear the word no. <laughs> And they'll take it as maybe or, mm-hmm. you know, knowing even something as simple as let's you're initiating some good times with the girl, y'all getting hot or whatever. Mm-hmm. She has the right to say no in the middle of that. <laughs> and it has to be no, even though, even though y'all could be already halfway there, but it's no, I'm not, uncom- I'm not comfortable anymore. It has right. to end there. And I think a lot of men don't want, don't know how to take that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a whole, um, cultural norm unfortunately yeah because i remember uh, i took a i was a sexual health class in in high school and then they got to a point where they started talking about uh, sexual abuse and the signs and everything like that and then the word the teacher broke everything down like if you're not sometimes you know it's common sense like i said uh bricks but sometimes it's uh it's non-verbal you know it's it's basically silent you you have to kind of like understand, okay, let's say you're dating that girl and then when you touch her in certain ways, like involuntarily her body makes a certain move or she pushes you or she punches you. So you kind of, you have to ask her, hey, right. you know, what that reaction is not normal. You know, what happened? You know, why are you acting like that? And maybe she can go yep. into a story that can actually make you understand, you know, what she went through or what she's currently going through. It could be a father that's abusing her. It could be a brother or it could be uh like an uncle usually uh, when somebody's uh abused it's most likely somebody that she knows you know somebody close you know to to the family or to or it could be a friend of the family so all these things it's something that we have to train you know our boys you know especially our black boys earlier to actually because i don't have all the answers you know i don't you know obviously there are certain things i can't uh really talk about you know when it comes to which specific signs do you look for 
what I'm pretty sure like certain uh, experts in, in those fields know. And we should teach these uh, uh, basically those silent signs, you know, or non nonverbal cues for people to actually uh, understand, you know, and how to help also, you know. So. And not even just if a woman is feeling uncomfortable it doesn't necessarily mean she was abused. Yeah, it could yeah. just be she's uncomfortable. She's uncomfortable. So yeah. you don't need to necessarily pull a story out mm -hmm. of her or say, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. It's just stop what you're doing. Yeah, yeah leave, her alone, leave yeah. her alone. Take note. Take we'll leave her alone. verbal no or mm -hmm. the verbal no as a no. Mm -hmm. And leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so it's not always right. picking up signs of abuse. That's one part of it. Mm -hmm. But just knowing when to stop. When to, stop, yeah. when to read the room, read her mm -hmm. body, read her facial expressions. I know that when... Aziz Ansari had an article written about him and it was kind of detailing all this stuff mm -hmm. about how he was, he brought a woman back to his place and they were, you know, having drinks and stuff and getting a little flirty and um, they would kind of like stop their interaction and then start again and stop it. And he kind of was like, yeah, I did notice she was kind of being shifty, but mm -hmm. he kept pressuring it. Yeah. So just noticing stop. things like that. Yeah. Teaching um, one another at any age, I think, Someone can learn these things, mm -hmm. um, teaching our next generation about these things and just overall respect, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, don't touch me involuntarily. Don't touch yeah. anyone involuntarily, exactly. you know? Right. Yeah. It's consent. Yeah, like, don't touch nobody. You know, I think a lot of college campuses are starting to um, right. actually say that, hey, like, if y'all want to do something, mm -hmm. it has to be verbally yes. Yes. Exactly. And they're saying, they're like kind of implementing and which makes sense because <laughs> if i'm not saying yes i want to do this it's a no exactly uh it sucks it has to come to that but i'd rather it be that way than than sexual assault happen so, yeah you're right so yeah these uh these 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 guys are weird some of them man and it does come down to the parents too it's like and sometimes you i'm, I'm sure you've seen it where you see you know a younger kid or something and parent uh, a boy or something the parents yep. kind of let mm -hmm. them do whatever the fuck they want you're like whoa yeah exactly like, this ain't right no their whole life and the woman tells them no exactly, and it's like yeah. well what do you mean it's like they never heard it before yeah. there's like that group of men i think called incels or something right. and they're like they're like celibate not by choice or something so basically it's like a group of those men like that guy that did that shooting mm -hmm. He had this whole manifesto because this girl didn't want to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. He was like one of those where mm -hmm. he like is getting tired of not getting frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, just, it's because you're a weirdo, yeah. bro. Exactly. Yeah, Women right. can sense like, your weirdness. Come on, man. You're, right. you're yeah. mad that you're not getting them, but it's Pick because you're weird. Stuff. That's literally right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're making her uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I I I think I, I've I've done pretty well. I mean, as far as my team, you know, I, I know you know there's been some some disrespect of women, uh, but you know, never to the point where where I see some of these guys, mm -hmm. you know, she don't want you, and now you're cursing her out or stuff like that. Yeah, right. That's that's that's, that's not cool, you know. And everyone, and that's that's. That's just like I kind of, just like we kind of talked about, you know, white only restaurant, you know, they don't fucking want you, man. It's like, it's so weird to, to she don't want you and you're mad. Right. Like, why? Yeah. There's a lot of exactly. women that might want you, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mad about this. Yeah. Part, but yeah. like, uh, like my wife said, like some men, they never heard no before. So when they hear it, you know, like they, they have to question it. You, you don't question no. It's a, it's a simple thing. No means stop, you know? And some right. people, they're like, oh, how dare you tell me no? I'm so and so. I'm, 
like I don't care about that. You no, know, you invading my space, and you know, like you said, you're being weird right now. So get the fuck out of here. Right. And te- te- everybody's yeah. listening, man. Teach your daughters self defense, man. I know, you know, I know it's, it's everybody's gonna say, mm-hmm. well, well, teach your sons. Yeah. Well, I don't got no sons. That's true. So, and I'm not relying on you. Yep. To teach your son. I'm going to teach my daughter. Yeah. And I'm going to hope that you teach your son. But my daughter yeah. is going to be prepared yeah. for in case you didn't teach your son, you know? Mm-hmm. And learn about the black women in history. Uh, learn about, I just watched the Netflix doc with oh, yeah, I think LeBron produced it with Madam C.J. Walker. Watch it, learn it. Don't just watch the docs either, because sometimes you know they're they're yeah. dramatized, you know, for TV. So so read about it after you watch it. Do some more research and, and learn about you know this and that. And we have to champion Definitely. our women. Yeah, you know? and it's it's at all level and society too. You know, when you look at business, when you look at sports, uh, when you look at education, when you look at tech, like we are not a lot of women are doing amazing things. Like uh, my wife said. Uh, Mae Jemison, you know, uh, Catherine Johnson, you know, rest in peace, just passed away recently. Uh, so all these women, we got to make it a point to keep stressing how important they are to Black history and American history and world history, too. Uh, as we close this out, do you guys have any uh, solutions in your head uh, that you've been thinking about, you've been meditating over that you think will basically uh, will contribute to the fight for freedom. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any ideas on certain things we can do now, six months from money. now, from now, and the money, money, money. Keep the money in the community. Buy black. Everything that you purchase, when you get your car wash, try to look for a black-owned car wash or look in to see if there's somebody black-owned that 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 does, you know travel car washes and and try to spend money with them and just like i said too try to barter maybe you start with your skill and you say hey this is the skill that i have would you like to barter for a car wash and yeah and you know obviously everybody might say yes or no at least if you have a skill that you can trade you can you can use that as a way of currency okay instead of just if even if you work for you know a white person if you work for the band and you but you have that skill i encourage you to to get out into the community, even if you don't own your own business. If you're a plumber, you do you work for somebody else, make a make a freaking document and Instagram it to everybody you know on IG. And, and if you're in the community and people are not on online, mm-hmm. print out a piece of paper and go hand it out in the community and say, listen, man, I do plumbing. Yeah. But yeah, try to create a, a network of black professionals or, or or anything in your community and spend black and keep your foot on 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 the gas as far as with these other corporations, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that just like me and in case you were talking about drop the, the Black Lives Matter picture. That was nice, beautiful. Thanks. But mm-hmm. um, are you hiring black people? Are you hiring? Are you promoting the black people? Mm-hmm. That's that's if, if we don't see it, you know, if they're not specifically showing it to us. Don't spend your money with them. Mm, yeah. And we talked about, you know, protecting our black women. Mm-hmm. Make that a priority. Teach your black mm-hmm. kids, you know. Something better than we were taught, and that's it. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. What about you, and Casey? Uh, those are all great. Um, I go back to, <laughs> I go back to the black vote as being important for legislation change, voting in black politicians, running for office, city council, getting folks in there who are not only black 
um, but have some of the same ideologies that you have for making actual structural long-lasting changes for our communities, Mm -hmm. um, making sure money is allocated to our communities, attend uh, town hall meetings in your community, Mm -hmm. buy back your community, see, pull together your resources, kind of what you just said, Um, going through your friends and seeing, hey, what skills do you have? What skills do I have? Create a business together and see if you can come together like that and collaborate, network. Um, Also have really uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, If you already work for a corporation, have uncomfortable conversations about diversity, inclusivity, hiring more women, hiring more Black people. If you have your own business, make sure to hire Black people. Amplify our voices, amplify our own voices. You know, don't be afraid to speak up about race. I think that's something a lot of folks sometimes tiptoe around, even black folks. They're like, mm-hmm. well, I got to keep my job. I go, oh, no, I don't want to really miss anything, <laughs> you that. know? Yep. Yeah, like even me, I'm, gonna, I'm keeping it real life, but I'm going to make it a point to make sure that we are doing something for black people, especially since I work with, like I said, SNAP eligible populations. A lot of those people are black. Let's talk about food equality. Let's talk about food yeah. desert and how it's impacting Black people. So mm-hmm. just any industry that you work in, stick up for Black folks, you know? Have these conversations with your non-Black friends. Make mm-hmm. them have uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. with their family and friends because it has to trickle out a little bit too. It can't just only be us putting in the work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can do a lot of the work, but it should be on a lot of the majority, which are white people to let them take on some of this burden that they created to to make structural change as well. Yeah, wow, that's, that's great, yeah. Um, like me, I always look at it through the technology side because as we know, the world is moving into a digital space, you know, as with COVID-19 pressure, a lot of companies to uh, hide behind technology automation, hide behind certain algorithms or actually uh, make money and then not taking responsibility for systematic racism too. So that's something I always think about. Uh, like I mentioned before, how we can actually use technology in our favor as the end user and also in the decision making for certain systems and software and companies, you know, and finance. We got to make sure that we are present in those executive rooms too. Uh, like Bruce was saying, like, we have to keep the dollar in our community. You know, I definitely agree with that. And we have to invest in the youth, definitely for that. But yeah, there, there's a lot of other battles, you know, we, we're going to have to fight. And that's actually coming later that we don't even see yet as a, as a Black community. So I'm always thinking about those those battles that we're going to have to face. But at the same time, I'm focused, like my like my wife said, vote. Uh, know who you're putting in office at all levels, on your community level, state level, as we know, the national level. So be aware of that. And your voice is never too small as a Black person to make a difference. Like, use your skills, you know, use your, your voice to make sure that the Black community is always at a position to be benefited from your actions. Yeah, man. We got to do it. Yeah. We got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we can't, you know, do all these protesting and riots and then don't do shit afterwards. We got to do it, man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an ongoing battle. Yes. It's a battle that we are going to win. Oh, and the last thing I'm going to say, actually, I'm building a black community. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Everybody is invited. My, I don't know exactly where it's going to be yet. It's probably going to be in the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. But um, that's my mission. I'm buying some acres, mm -hmm. putting some money together with some, with some other black people, and we're building a black community. Yep. We're going to have a black school. We're going to have black banks, and we're going to have a black police force. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm in. You know, whatever you're doing, I'm in. And uh I'll create whatever I have to create to to make sure that uh, you guys are successful. And I know we talked about that uh, a few times, but now is the perfect time to actually move forward with that idea and turn it into a reality. Come live there. Amen. Listen, yeah. Casey, let me tell you, in, I know where you live. 1,200 square feet house is like a million dollars. Come live in yeah, Georgia. seriously. <laughs> I, I think you're gonna get a You're going to get an acre. You're going to get an acre right. too. <laughs> What you can get in California. I know. Yeah. I mean, the CDC is out there in Atlanta, huge public health, uh, you know, governmental org. So mm -hmm. I can definitely yep. find work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I challenge people, man. I'm challenging every black person to, to, to do something uncomfortable, man. If you live in New York City, maybe instead of buying, you know, a million dollar property, come live in a black community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. And said so we gotta sacrifice, man. And I'm gonna plant this seed. I probably I might not be able to enjoy the shade from the seed, but you know, my daughter, mm -hmm. maybe her kids, they're gonna be able to sit under that tree and get that shade. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's all about generational wealth. And and as we close, uh, in case you I don't know if you have any other ideas you wanted to share or where people can find you and what you're currently doing right now, you can share with the listeners. Yeah, um, I have a newly formed website. Uh, it's a blog site and a shop, a clothing store online. It's uh, www.queenivism.com. Uh, that's queen, Q-U-E-E-N-I-V-I-S-M.com, queenivism.com. I'm also on Instagram under that same um, handle. And um, it's all, I'm all about uh, women empowerment, Black women starting conversations, social justice, public health and all that good stuff. So check me out on there. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Bricks, I don't know if you want to uh, drop, you know, your Instagram or anything else that, you, that you're doing. You can find me at BricksZo. Um, and and, and once, I, once I get my community started, me and Pierre are actually working on something for Haiti too, that we're trying to do some type of crowdfunding thing. Um, but same thing we're going to do with the black community. So, mm -hmm. uh, we'll we'll let you guys know as we as we move forward. Uh, I did want to say one more thing, though. I actually forgot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I also challenge you know us black people to get into spaces that are not cool. You know, you know. I, I don't know if you guys know that there's a, a billion dollar family that all they make is buttons. You know what I'm saying? And we have to get in, try to get into into things that are. We have to try to integrate it vertically. That's a that's a, that's a line I got from Nick. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he got it from somebody else. Integrated vertically it just means you, you you own the whole supply chain. You know, maybe we need to look into. You know, I know Pierre. You you have you know your clothing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to look into distribution. Mm -hmm. You know, I I want to buy my fabric from a black person. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. I want I, I, I want to do everything with black people, man. We we have we have there's so many spaces that we can get into. Um, that's what that's my challenge for everybody. Sounds great, man. Yeah, yeah that's that's definitely right. You know, I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, like Issa, I'm rooting for everybody black. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
That's it, yo. <laughs> I don't care, man. I'm rooting for everybody yeah. black. And just and even in case you say, oh, not all skin folk and kin folk, I'm still rooting for y'all. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe one day y'all will wake up and, <laughs> and be on uh, on the right side of things, but I'm still I'm still rooting for y'all. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, thank you again for taking time to talk to our listeners during this this hard time and uh, for sharing your thoughts. We'll be back next week with more awesome and amazing content.